Section two of Buff a Collie and Other Dog Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Buff a Collie and Other Dog Stories by Albert Payson Terhune. Buff a Collie The Fighting Strain. Part two. It was market day at the nearby town, and this would not be the first or the tenth time a dog had been exhibited for sale in the market enclosure. So, a hundred yards from his destination, the man lifted the pup from the too tight crate and fastened a rope to his collar. Then he prepared to lead his prize across to the market. But a dog that has never before been led has to be trained to follow at the gentle tug of the leash. This training sometimes takes only a few minutes, it is true, but it is needful. Now never before had Buff been on the end of a leash. He did not know what to do. He had lost, moreover, his early liking for his captor, and he wanted to go home. The first tug of the rope the puppy braced all four feet and pulled back. A tired-looking man, passing, in a still more tired-looking motor runabout, slowed his car at sight of the puppy's resistance and scanned buff appraisingly a second and more vehement yank of the rope accompanied by a mouthful of profanity from the hired man brought renewed resistance from buff and brought the stranger's slowing car to a complete stop buff braced his feet and sought in vain to get some sort of purchase for his claws on the stone pavement his conductor gave the rope a vicious jerk and struck the puppy over the side of the head this was the first blow received by buff in all his short life he did not at all grasp its meaning but it hurt like the mischief and it set his delicate ears to ringing incidentally it brought the stranger at one jump out of his car and on to the narrow pathway you idiot exhorted he striding up to the farmhand don't you know any better than to hit a collie over the head it might don't you know no better than to butt in retorted the wrathful hired man i'll make this mangy cuss mind me if, if i have to bust every bone in his worthless carcass by way of emphasizing his intention he lifted the amazed buff clean off the ground on the end of the rope and drew back one large booted foot for a drop kick at the swinging youngster that had dared to disobey him the kick might well have smashed every rib in the soft young body besides rupturing his victim but it did not reach its mark the tired-looking man did two things and he did them in practically the same gesture with his left hand he jerked the rope from the callous hand that held it and lowered buff gently to earth with his right he caught the farmhand deftly by the nape of the neck spun him around and bestowed upon him two swift but effective kicks both kicks smote the amazed laborer approximately at the point where his short jacket's hem met the seat of his trousers as his assailant at the same time released his hold of the shirt collar his victim collapsed in a blasphemous heap at the gutter edge buff had been watching the brief exhibition with keen interest 
Gradually it had been dawning on his unsophisticated mind that his escort was trying in some way to harm him and that the stranger had not only averted the harm but was punishing the aggressor so in his babyhood had nina flown at a stable cat which had scratched buff's too inquisitive nose once more the puppy knew the glad thrill of having a protector as the fallen man scrambled to his feet the stranger felt a cold and grateful little nose thrust into his palm instinctively and with unconscious proprietorship his hand dropped lightly on the silken head of the dog but he kept his tired eyes unwaveringly on the man whom he had assaulted the latter was on his feet again swearing and gesticulating but all at once in the middle of a contemplated rush at his antagonist he checked himself and looked worriedly up and down the deserted lane in case of interference in case of court proceedings he might have trouble in explaining his possession of the dog a dozen persons in court might well recognize the puppy as belonging to Shawmere, and there would be difficulties all manner of difficulties perhaps a jail term decidedly it was a moment for while rather than for force there were worse things than a kick jail was one of them if you're so stuck on the pup why don't you buy him he whined instead of picking on a poor man's what's got a living to earn he's for sale i'm not buying livestock began the stranger then he paused the silken head under his hand shifted and the cold little nose again nuzzled his palm if you ain't buying retorted the farmhand give him back to me and i'll take him to where i can get an offer on him he snatched the rope before the tired-looking man was aware of the intention but buff was aware of it well aware of it as the rough fingers grabbed at his collar the youngster growled fiercely and launched himself at the tyrant good applauded the stranger catching the angry puppy in mid-air and holding him under one arm he's got pluck that means you haven't had him long if you had you'd have cowed or killed him or made him mean and savage he's thoroughbred too what do you want for him if the price is fair i'll buy if it isn't i'll carry him to the nearest police station which is it to be out of a volley of indignant denial punctuated by such stock phrases as i'm an honest man and the like came at last the grunted words thirty dollars he's worth a sight more but he belongs to my boy and we're moving so i gotta sell him and here's the cash interrupted the stranger taking out some greasy notes but next time you steal a dog of this kind just remember that thirty dollars is a fool's offer it proves the dog is stolen there's no use asking whom you stole him from if there were i might be able to return him i had no idea of cluttering my life with anything again even a dog but if i don't you'll maltreat him and he's too good for that there are easier ways you know of showing how much inferior you are to a dog than by kicking him the stranger was doling out bill after bill from his thin roll finishing he stuck the rest of the money back into his pocket picked up buff and started for his car midway he hesitated and looked back at the gaping and muttering farmhand by the way he said carelessly think twice before you steal again not for the sake of your alleged soul but because it's liable to land you in a cell nothing is valuable enough to steal a cell isn't a pleasant place to live in either i know 
he added as an afterthought, because I've just come out of one. He lifted Buff into the car, cranked the muddy and battered little vehicle, and climbed aboard. Then, as the farmhand still gaped at him with a new respect in the bulgingly bloodshot eyes, the stranger called back, If you decide to tell this dog's owner what has become of him, my name is Trent, Michael Trent, and I live at Boone Lake, about fifty miles south of here. At least, I used to, and I'm on my way back there. It was Buff's first ride. For a few minutes it startled him to see the countryside running backwards on either side of him, and to feel the bumping vibration and throb of the car under his feet. But almost at once he felt the joy of the new sensation, as does the average dog that gets a chance to motor. Besides, this rescuer of his was a most interesting person, a man whose latent strength appealed to Buff's canine hero-worship, a man, too, who was unhappy, and with true collie perception, Buff realised and warmed to the man's unhappiness. Added to all this, Trent had a delightful way of taking one hand from the steering-wheel from time to time, and patting or rumpling the puppy's head. Once the strong, slender fingers found the name-tag. "'Buff, eh?' murmured Trent. "'Is that your name, or the colour of the goods that were marked by this tag? "'How about it, Buff?' "'He accented the last word. "'In response, Buff's tail began to wag, "'and one forepaw went up to the man's knee. "'Buff it is,' nodded Trent. "'And a good little name at that. "'A good little name for a good little dog. "'And now that I've gone broke in buying you, "'will you please tell me what I'm going to do with you?' I'm an outcast, you know, Buff, an Ishmaelite, and I'm on my way back to home place to live things down. It'll be a tough job, Buff. All kinds of rotten times ahead. Want to face it with me? Much did Trent talk to the dog during that long and bumpy drive. His voice was pleasant to his little chum, and it was the first time in Buff's six months of life that a human had troubled to waste three sentences of speech on him. The attention tickled the lonely pup. His heart was warming more and more to this tired-eyed, quiet-voiced new master of his. Closer he cuddled to the man's knee, looking up into the prison-pale face with growing eagerness and interest. There was a wistfulness in Buff's deep-set eyes as he gazed. With tense effort he was trying to grasp the meaning of the unknown words wherewith from time to time Trent favoured him. The man noted the pathetic eagerness of look, and his own desolate heart warmed to this first interested listener he had encountered in more than a year. He expanded under the flattering attention, and his talk waxed less disjointed. Yes, he said presently, stroking the puppy's head as it rested against his knee, we've a tough road to hoe, you and I, Buff, just as I told you, since you're so different from two-footed curs, that you're willing to associate with a jailbird. Perhaps it would amuse you to hear how I came to be one, eh, Buff? At each repetition of his name, Buff wagged his tail in delight at hearing at least one word whose meaning he knew. Not to take up too much of your time, Buff, proceeded Trent, trying to negotiate a rutted bit of road with one hand, while with the other he sought to ease the bumping of the car for the dog. Here's the main idea. I'd just got that farm of mine on a paying basis, and changed it from a liability to something like an asset, 
when the smash-up came just because i chose to play the fool it was down at the boone lake store one night i had walked into town for the mail it was being sorted and on the mail stage had come two biggish boxes of goods for corny fails he's the storekeeper and postmaster there buff again at his name buff wagged his tail and thrust his cold nose into trent's free hand the boxes were left on the store porch while fails sorted the mail went on trent it struck me it would be a corking joke to carry them out behind a clump of lilacs to one side of the store where it was black dark that night I hid them there for the fun of hearing old Fales swear when he found them gone Well, he swore good and plenty and by the time he'd sworn himself out I'd have about enough of the joke and I was going to tell him about it and help him carry the boxes back to the store when a couple of chaps that I'd ordered off my land the week before Stepped up and told him they'd seen me lug the boxes away in the dark So I went out to the lilac clump to get the stuff and carry it back to Fales and buff the boxes weren't there they'd been stolen in dead earnest while i had been standing in the store laughing at fales's red-hot language it had been a silly joke at best for a grown man to play buff and anyhow nobody but a born fool ever plays practical jokes always remember that always remember that buff but you know how a fellow will limber up sometimes after a lonely day's work and how he'll do silly things well that's how it happened buff of course I owned up and offered to pay the sixty dollars fails said the goods were worth But he wouldn't have it that way It seemed he'd been missing things for quite a while and his pig-headed brain got full of the idea that I had taken them all And that I pretended it was a joke when I was caught at last So he prosecuted and the county attorney was looking for a record and he got it buff He sure got it. I was sent up for 18 months just for being a fool and perhaps I'm a fool to go back now and pick up life again in a place where everyone thinks I'm a thief But that's what I'm going to do buff. I'm going to win through It'll take a heap of time and a heap more nerve to do it But well, we're headed for Boone Lake the sooner we begin the fight the sooner we'll win it He paused half ashamed of his babbling yet half relieved at being able to speak out at last to some listener who did not greet the tale with a grin of incredulity Buff snuggled the closer to him and licked his clenched hand as the pain underlying the light speech struck upon the collie's sensitive perceptions Good little pal approved Trent touched by the wordless sympathy and feeling somehow less desolate and miserable than he had felt for many a long month it was mid-afternoon when they drove through the edge of a rambling village and on for a mile or so to a lane that led into a neglected farm This is home buff announced Trent his eyes dwelling with sharp unhappiness upon the tumble-down aspect of the deserted place Home Including the mortgage that went on to it to pay for my lawyer Did you notice how those village people stared at us and how they nudged each other? Well, that's just the first dose a sort of sample package are you game to stand for the rest of it i am if you are running the battered car into a shed trent lifted buff to the ground and set off towards the closed and forbidding house buff capered on ahead of him trotting back at every ten paces to make sure his master was following trent paused for a moment in the dooryard to grope in his pocket for a key 
Buff had gained the summit of the low veranda. As Trent halted, the pup took advantage of the delay to rest his car-cramped muscles by stretching out at full length on the narrow strip of porch. Trent took a step forward, then stopped again, this time to stare in bewildered surprise at the collie, for he noted that Buff was lying like a couchant lion, so far as his forequarters were concerned, and that his hind legs were both stretched out behind him. Now, as Trent's dog-law told him, that is a position in which no collie lies, nor does any dog lie with his hind legs out behind him, unless he has in his make-up a strong admixture of bulldog blood. Yet Trent's dog knowledge also told him that this was apparently a pure-bred collie, perfect in every point. Wherefore, he stared in wonder at the phenomenon of Buff's position. Then, giving up the problem, he advanced into the house. Buff, springing up at once, followed Trent inquisitively through the doorway, as the key turned noiselessly in the lock, and the front door swung open under the pressure of the man's knee. Out gushed the musty odour that haunts unused country houses. It filled Trent's nostrils and deepened his sense of desolation. But, mingled with the smell of emptiness and disuse, another and more definite scent assailed Trent's nose. It was the reek of tobacco, of rank pipe tobacco at that. Nor was it stale. At the whiff of it, Trent stiffened like a pointing dog. His lips had been parted in a careless word to Buff. Now he choked back the unborn syllables. Treading on tiptoe, he made his way from room to room. Buff, sensing the other's efforts at silence, padded quietly at his heels. As they moved along, Trent paused from time to time to sniff the heavy air. Presently he flung open a door with no caution whatever, and sprang into a room beyond. It was the kitchen he entered in this whirlwind fashion, and he saw, as his nose had told him, that it was already occupied. A mattress had been hauled hither from one of the bedrooms, Sprawled thereon were two men. One of them was snoring. The other was puffing at a clay pipe. On the floor beside them lay a full sack. Piled in a corner of the room was a heterogeneous sack of household articles. A clock, a silver candlestick, three gilt picture frames, a plated soup tureen, some spoons, and similar loot. Trent had scarce time to note these facts, and a heap of empty bottles in another corner, before the smoker had dropped his pipe with a grunt and sprung scramblingly to his feet. The sleeping man, roused by his companion's noise, sat up and blinked. Hm, mused Trent, as the two stared owlishly at him. I see. You boys didn't reckon on my time off for good behaviour, eh? Thought I wasn't due home for another month or so, and in the meantime, this was a dandy place to hide in and to keep the stuff you steal clever lads hm the two still blinked dully at him evidently their density was intensified by the contents of some of the empty bottles lying near the mattress i'm beginning to understand things pursued trent evenly you two testified you saw me take away those boxes from fale's store i went to prison on your testimony you have lived hereabouts all your lives, and there was nothing known against either of you, so your word was good enough to send me up, while you pinched the boxes and plenty of other things. Since then, 
with a glance at the plunder you seem to have gone into the business pretty extensively and you picked the safest place to keep it in now suppose you both he got no further by tacit consent the two lurched to their feet and flung themselves upon him but careless as had been his pose and his tone trent had not been napping even as he spoke he realized what a stroke of cleverness it would be for the men to overpower him and to claim that they had found him in his own house surrounded by these stolen goods it would be so easy a way to fix the blame of such recent robberies at a scourged boone lake on some unknown accomplice of trent's the craft that had once made them take advantage of his joke on fails would readily serve them again but as they flung themselves on trent he was no longer there in fact he was nowhere in particular also he was everywhere agile as a lynx he was springing aside from their clumsy rush then dashing in and striking with all his whalebone strength dodging blocking eluding attacking all in the same dazzlingly swift set of motions it was a pretty sight a prolonged carouse on raw whiskey is not the best training for body or for mind in an impromptu fight and the two trespassers speedily discovered this their man was all over them yet ever out of reach too stupidly besotted to use teamwork they impeded rather than reinforced each other up and down the broad kitchen raged the trio then ducking a wild swing trent darted in and uppercut one of his antagonists the man's own momentum in the swing added fifty per cent to the impetus of trent's blow trent's left fist caught his enemy flush on the jaw point the man's knees turned to tallow he slumped to the floor in a huddled heap not so much as waiting to note the effect of his uppercut trent was at the other thief Rushing him off his feet and across the room with a lightning series of short-arm blows That crashed through the awkward defense and landed thuddingly on heart and wind In another few seconds the fight must have ended and ended with a second clean knockout Had not one of Trent's dancing toes chanced to light on a smear of bacon fat on the smooth floor Up went both his feet he struck ground on the back of his head after the manner of a novice skater and half stunned he strove to rise but the impact had for the moment knocked the speed and the vigor out of him before he could stagger halfway to his feet his opponent had taken dizzy advantage of the slip snatching up one of the big bottles by the neck the thief swung it aloft measuring with his eye the distance and force needful to a blow over the head of the reeling and dazed trent then the blow fell but it did not fall upon Trent it missed him by an inch or more and the bottle smashed into many pieces on the boards This through no awkwardness of the assailant, but because a new warrior had entered the fray a Flash of gold and white spun through the air as the bottle was brandished aloft and a double set of white teeth buried themselves in the striking arm Buff from the doorway had been watching the battle with quivering excitement in his brief life He had never before seen prolonged strife among humans and he did not understand it To him it seemed these men must be romping as he and the other inmates of the puppy run had been wont to romp and He watched the wild performance in breathless interest But all at once his master was down and above him his foe was brandishing something 
thus menacingly had been raised the farm hand's arm when buff was struck surely this was not a romp his master was threatened and into the fight gallant young buff hurled himself attacking the arm that menaced the quiet-voiced man he was learning to adore just below the elbow he found his grip deep drove the sharp white teeth not slashing collie fashion but with the grim holding power that had won a score of battles for old upstreet butcher boy on the swung canvas strip a hundred of his bull terrier ancestors had been made to strengthen the crushingly powerful jaw muscles they had bequeathed to buff the pup's forty pounds of squirming weight deflected the blow's aim and saved trent's skull from certain fracture the thief in pain and terror tore at the clinging furry body in frantic rage but the bulldog jaws were locked and the fearless collie spirit refused to unlock them at the yells and the hammerings of the panic-stricken thief all this for the merest second then still dizzy but himself again trent was up and at his foe the rest was conquest hampered by the ferocious beast that clung to his arm weak from pain and exertion the man was ridiculously easy to overcome you've won your welcome buff old chum panted trent as he trussed up his prisoners before marching them to the village and you've saved a life i don't value over much but you've done a lot more you've let me clear myself of the other charge these men will have to talk when the police sweat them and that will make life worth while for me again yes you've paid your way all right something tells me you and i are going to be the best pals ever but where in blue blazes did a thoroughbred collie ever pick up that bulldog grip end of section two